Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. First Corinthians, Paul writes, for sake of time, I won't go through all of this, but chapter 11 is where pastors kind of take their point in their text. For I have received of the Lord, chapter 11, verse 23 through 34. I won't read all 11 verses, but he says, I've taken of the Lord. Then he says, give thanks and break it. For this cause, many do this. You're sick among you. Uh, judge ourselves. I'm just skimming down here. Uh, lest we be judged. Uh, if any man hunger, let him eat at home, etc. And so what Paul is, the writing here is about basically the Last Supper. And it's a remembrance. So let me pray for us, and I'm just going to talk to you, preach, preach. We have a lot of new people, and I'm glad that you're here. Thank you if you're visiting, and maybe communion in church is new. Amen. So I, I want my, my, my assignment is to slow it down and just explain the why. So let me do that. Lord, I pray that you would help me this morning to bring understanding and revelation, God, that we would search ourselves, that we would look in and we would judge ourselves, and that you would be pleased with all that we do, all that we say, every place we go, what we wear, what we watch, what we engage in. God, it's time to purify ourselves. It's time to come to the throne and rid ourselves of some worldliness and ungodliness and that we can reset and revival's coming and we are empty vessels, new wineskins. God, we purge, we listen, we lean into the Holy of Holies. Use me, God. Give me the words to say, to inspire, to bring hope to every person that's watching and sitting. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you receive it, would you shout amen? Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. In my excitement to climb a $5,100 mountain, I failed to welcome my brother-in-law, Brother Tony Zunica, to our church. He is now an official member of this local assembly. And with full credentials, blessings from his pastor, accolades, he doesn't need to show up and earn his stripes. He has earned his stripes. He's been at one church for 60 years. He served in upper leadership, three different departments for 24 years. So he's not a novice, but maybe he's new to you. And I just want to say I'm glad you're here. Your pastor trusted your soul with me. I take that very seriously. And so he's been around for a little bit, but now he's an official member. So if you see him wandering around doing stuff, you're like, well, hey, that's what he does. So we're glad that you're here. God bless you, Brother Tony. I love you. Amen. Let me talk to you about communion for a moment. Let me talk to you about what the bread does. We're gonna, in a moment, we're going to take a bread, a wafer, and juice. But the bread symbolizes and represents the body of Christ broken for me and you. He says in Isaiah 53 that by his stripes we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. And so as we take in a moment the bread, just know that that represents the broken body. The amazing thing about the prophetic word in John, that 
no bone would be broken. As much as they, the Roman Empire was, I'm going to say, inhumane and barbaric, poked him, hit him, plucked his beard, carry a cross, beat his back, 39 stripes, that they didn't break any bones. And so the body represents what he went through for you and I. So in a moment, when you take that wafer, you take that bridge, you know, this is the body of Christ. The juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for you and I. We sing songs about it. They write songs. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Go back to my older days. Nothing but the blood reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Some beautiful songs sing about the blood. But to the untrained ear, to the layman, singing about the blood sounds a little gory. Sounds a little um, graphic. But when you understand the value and the origin of the blood of Christ, that blood washes away sins. The sacrificial lamb that washed away the sins of the world for you and I, that we could enter into the Holy of Holies and the veil was torn. The Old Testament, the tabernacle, as they wandered through the wilderness, the high priest went in there and did an atonement for sins. What does that mean in 21st century words? Hey, he just went in and said, hey, God, I know a bunch of knuckleheads. They don't listen. Sarcastic, human people. But I'm sorry for them. Please don't do nothing to them. Give me another year, and I'll try to make them better. He made atonement, and then they went another year. But when Calvary took place, that veil became torn. And so now you and I enter in daily, hourly, weekly. And we come in and say, God, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I held a grudge. I was bitter. I was angry. I lost my temper. I judge somebody, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And the thing about it, Brother Foster, we don't have to wait a year. But the blood of Calvary that was shed was for you and I, and I thank God for that. When you hear the Old Testament, if you're new, you're thinking, I don't understand, that's a lot of stuff. And a lot of people beget people and beget people. And Leviticus, Song of Solomon, I don't think I ever preached out of the Song of Solomon. I don't even know, I don't even know where to start preaching. I don't. So there's a lot of Old Testament stuff, but there's a lot of types and shadows. I know we're living in the 21st century under the dispensation of grace, but the Old Testament is, isn't thrown out. There's validity and value. There's patterns. There's understandings. There's parallels. And so in all of this, he says, this do in remembrance of me. This is a memorial event. But it's much more than simple remembrance. The significance of remembrance here is that we are reenacting and remembering, recalling the past, the present, which has spiritual power today. In the writings that I kind of skipped over a little bit, but in verse 26, he says, when we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim the death of Christ in the present. We don't need to reenact it. 
We don't need to recreate it. We don't need to re-sacrifice it because Christ is present today. He was once and for all the perfect, complete sacrifice at Calvary, never to be repeated. Hence, the last words on the cross was, it is finished. Old Testament, let me just go back there for a minute if you're new here, and they used to sacrifice animals. That was the custom back in that day. Now, if you're sacrificing animals today, something's not right. Okay, I'm calling the animal shelter on you. They said something about your preaching. No, no, they, they need to go. But this was the custom, and this was because this was pre-Calvary. So there was animals and lambs and all these animals that were sacrificed. But, but when God went to, Jesus went to the cross, he was the supreme sacrifice. So you say, well, why don't we sacrifice animals anymore? Because Calvary. He paid the ultimate price. And so now as churches all across America, anytime throughout the year, they commemorate the communion. It's, hey, we're remembering what took place. And so in a moment, when I remember that wafer and I take that the correlation, that's the body of Christ. And then when I drink the juice, that, that's the blood of Calvary. And I'm doing this in a remembrance. And he, he goes to the cross and then he kind of gives up the ghost, if it were, and he says, it is finished. Therefore, what Christ did was to give new meaning and significance to the Passover meal in which it was no longer a lamb, but the lamb of God who was slain. And we remember about the deliverance from slavery, the slavery of sin. And when they came out of Egypt and the old covenant was sealed with the blood of the lamb. Old Testament again here. The plagues are taking place and the children of Israel are going to be exiting out of Egypt in Moses tells them, hey, the death angel's coming. Put the blood on the doorpost. You had to do a sac- again, a, a lamb. Something that is pristine, perfect health, valuable. Not something mangy and broken. Diseased. But it was something that was of value and good. That was a sacrifice. And so they, they put the lamb and they sealed the doorpost. But the new covenant now is sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. So say, well, why don't we put blood over the doorpost anymore because of the blood of Calvary? You see, I guess to simplify things is that Calvary did a lot of things. That man and the law and the Mosaic law and the Ten Commandments and all these things couldn't do because it, it brought power that when he was risen from the dead, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, but thank God there was a Calvary because in my terms, that reset humanity and it allows me to enter into the Holy of Holies, it allows you to enter into the Holy of Holies, say, well, I'm not a pastor, no, you don't have to be, you're just a human being and now you have the privilege because of Calvary, so what does communion do? It remembers what Calvary was all about. We affirm our belief that because he has risen from the dead, we too one day shall raise from the dead. Thank God. Hey, there's, there are streets of gold, folks. There is a heaven. Yes, there is a hell. I say choose wisely. As far as me and my house, we have chose to serve the Lord and be faithful and holy, and I thank God for that. And my assignment is to take as many people to heaven with us as possible because that's a great place that was made for everybody. Hell wasn't made for you. Hell wasn't built for you. Go back before the Old Testament. Lucifer, 
creating chaos and havoc. That he was so convincing, 33% of the angels, get this, I mean, you're in heaven, there is no devil. And he gets self-centered. And 33% of them believe him, like he's the real deal. That's why hell was made. For the devil and his imps or his followers or his fallen angels, hell wasn't made for you. So it's not made for humanity. But there's a spiritual war going on, and I, I've got to choose wisely. I've got to live wisely. I have to talk wisely. I have to watch wisely. The thing now with social media and Internet and Wi-Fi and technology, you can watch anything you want almost anywhere in the privacy of your own little bubble. And if you're not careful, you could get mixed up in some things that you're going to need to purge yourself of. What does that do? Communion allows us to do that. Lord, purge me. Lord, sanctify me. If I've looked at anything this week I shouldn't have, if I've heard anything, if I've leaned into something, if I've engaged in a conversation, if I've did things that were less than Christ-like, I'm telling you, my friend, here's the time to reset. We're, we're going to do a corporate reset. And the man of God will preach to us next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and I'm wanting us to be new wineskins. What does that mean? That we are brand new vessels of honor, that we sanctified and purified ourselves. So when the Spirit of God shows up and the voice of God shows up, I'm simply saying, God, speak to me. My heart is right. My spirit is pure. My mind is reset. There is no sin. There is no wickedness. There is nothing darkness. There is no hidden things in my life. Speak to me, God. And so, yes... Communion is strategic today as we have revival next Sunday. So we're going to affirm our belief. I think the overarching theme of communion is self-examination. But I, I just saw this on social media, and this is kind of the 21st century of Paul's terms. Natalie did the, posted this. Hey, church, doesn't matter if you're pretty on the outside if you're ugly on the inside. I said, whoo, that might preach on Sunday. But that's the 21st version of examine yourself. You can look holy on the outside. You can speak holy on the outside. But your thoughts and your hidden actions in your private life could be contrary to the inside. One writer says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Come on, somebody. You know what? I, I want to be pure inside and out. The outside we can man make that look holy. But how many times have I met some Christians that the outside looked holy, but the inside, what was coming out was not holy. It was ugly. So if you're ugly this morning, Pastor Mark said, hey, how many of you think you're ugly? He can, this is part of his lion speech. If you're ugly on the inside, I'm praying God speaks to you. And with communion, when you partake, that it makes you pretty on the inside. He accused the scribes and Pharisees as liars and dead men's bones. They've worried about the outside. But their carnality on the inside reeked in their relationship and their motives. Here's what I pray for myself all the time when I'm taking communion. God, make sure my, I want to make sure my motives are pure. I want to make sure that my heart 
is pristine and my spirit has no guile. Lord, don't ever let me drift. And so to the words that are on the screen, Paul put it this way, self-examination. Here Paul wanted the church in Corinth to take a moment of just, just examine yourself. Examine your lives before God and before others in fellowship before you partake in the Lord's Supper. You see, the purpose of self-examination in verses 31 and 32 of 1 Corinthians 11 is so that they would come to the table with their hearts prepared to receive grace from God. Paul wanted them to move all the unworthy things they worshipped and refocus back on the Lord's table. He demands them the strictest self-examination to those in Corinth. A new covenant in his blood is celebrated. We have a new living relationship with God, whereas before... We were dead in our sins. There's a challenge to all of us that we come in unworthily, a manner to receive. Hey, I don't rec- I, I'm not worthy of this. If, if Just on the surface, say, hey, I'm not worthy. I'm just a human being. I don't have this all figured out. No, no, no. He's saying, I want to enter into the presence of God. Hey, Lord, I'm not worthy of this. I know you're God. I'm just a little person on earth, but I'm so grateful that you died for me. I'm so grateful that I, you give me a chance in the Spirit to figure it out. And we believe in the infilling of the Spirit of God, which is called the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And that enables me to live a holy life in an unholy world. So, so if, if you're kind of new here, and this is a little different, I want you to know that the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit... He doesn't leave us comfortless, and we're not on our own, and we're not just out there winging it, trying to be holy, because within ourself, our humanity, our carnality, I can't live a holy life in the environment that God has placed me in, but with the Spirit of God, it gives me the power. Someone shout power. You say, hmm, I never heard of the Holy Ghost. Talk to me. Because it is the will of God that he pour out of his Spirit upon all flesh. But regardless if you have the Holy Ghost this morning or not, or God's Spirit is inside of you or it's not, we're coming for communion. Say, Lord, I'm resetting. I'm purifying. I'm sanctifying. I'm humbling myself. I'm unworthy, but I'm humbling myself to hear from you and a fresh anointing, what I might call fresh fire or fresh oil. Wrote a song years ago, Lord, I need a brand new touch. My strength from yesterday is gone. Did you do anything wrong? No. Did you let sin in? No. I just need a brand new touch. I just need a fresh anointing. Is there sin in your life? Not that I know of. But I say not that I know of. And you say, well, don't you know, Pastor, you live your own life. Yeah. But I got to go back and check with God to make sure, Lord, is there anything that I missed? Is there anything that's in my life that I've come accustomed to or desensitized myself that's just lingering somewhere in the spirit of Tom Durant's and Lord saying, no, that's not right. But maybe right then it's laying dormant and I don't see it or know it. So that's why I say from the human side, Brother Garcia, not that I know of, I think I'm pure, but I'm getting ready to find out. 
And here's the thing about sanctification and self-examination. When you find out, you've got to do something about it. In my experience as a pastor, most of us bring things to the altar when we're not right on the inside. A lot of it's unforgiveness. It's hurt. It's bitterness. I think most of us could say, hey, I don't really sin big. It's not overt. You can't qualify it. But if you have things in your heart, you are sinning. But here's the challenge of the pastor is, unless the Lord shows us in the Spirit, we don't know that. But more important than that, you know that. So communion allows us to come back to the Holy of Holies and say, God, is there any wickedness in me? Do I have ought, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger? These are all areas that, if we're not careful, we could get stuck at on the inside. And we look pretty on the outside, but she said, if you're ugly on the inside, her little quote, it could be things that I've got tripped up on. And the thing about that is that we can mask that. And you could live for years like that. And I'm saying, hey, with communion, let's just start fresh. And as we pray before we administer communion, I'm going to ask you to search yourself, and you're going to ask God, Lord, what is in me? And if there's anything in your life, you promise God that, God, I'm going to take care of this. I'm not living like this no more. I'm going to set myself free. I'm going to purify, and I'm going to sanctify, and I'm going to come clean with you, God, because I don't want my inside ugly. I don't want to be a scribe and Pharisee in modern times. I want to be an apostolic that's pure inside and out. And so that's what communion does. We believe that the blood has the power. And we cannot take in a moment, we can't take this casually. I've slowed this down on purpose. Because I want us to understand the gravity of communion. The Bible doesn't really tell us how often to do communion. It does say as often as you do this. Do this sermon. So every pastor just has to feel the heartbeat and the pulse of the church in relation to communion and say, here's when we're doing communion. Here's when we're going to do it again. So I don't come preaching to you this morning in a casual manner just to get this off my to-do list. This is the Lord's Supper that we're observing. And so we got to make sure that we are partaking for the right reasons. Let me give you some ideas here. We do not partake of it because everyone is. We do not partake of it if we don't understand its meaning. We do not partake of it just because our parents do. We do not partake of it to look good to others. We do not partake of it if we know we are not right with God. We take the time to repent and get right with the Lord. Then we come. So let me tell you this, the severity of this. If you are not right with God in your heart and you can't work through that, it would be better that you didn't take communion this morning. Now, I'm a pastor. That sounds kind of harsh as I hear it coming over the pulpit. But I'm just telling you, we need to walk in harmony with the Word of God. Say, so you know what? I'm not ready to figure this out and forgive, then you know what? You're not ready for communion.
I'm not ready to release this and let this go. i got to find out a few things, and I've got to know why. Then you're not ready for communion. When are you going to do it again, Pastor? When the Lord tells me. So all I'm saying is this is serious business with God. And Christ's blood allows us to seek forgiveness and restoration and fellowship with God in 1 John 1, 9. His blood frees us from any stain, shame, or disgrace that people may have attached to us. Communion is a meaning of deeper fellowship with God in God's people. I don't want you to raise your hands, but how many among us are working through a hurt? How many among us are working through a scar? It could go all the way back to your childhood. could have happened last Sunday in this church because we're people. Regardless of how the scar, the wound, the laceration got there, somewhere I've got to figure out how to reconcile with God. I saw a graphic I, I saved here a couple years ago, and it said something to the effect here. I never realized how strong I was until I never received a apology I never got. What he's saying is, hey, well, if, they, if they'll tell me they're sorry, then we can move on. But if they don't, are you trapped for life? I say no. Because I'm saying I forgive them. In some cases, the infliction came from someone that's not even living now. So if the person had to forgive us, that means you're damned to never take communion. That don't sound graceful from the Word of God. My point is it comes from the living person that has the hurt, that has the offense, that has the scar. Because you're in control of what settles inside of this little heart and spirit. And communion allows me to open up the scroll and look at who am I? Is there anybody, anything, Brother Foster, that I find myself struggling with when I see them? Here, here's how, some people ask me this. Pastor, how do you know? I think I have, but how do you know if I've forgiven them? This is what I've come to. My conclusion on that answer is, you have forgiven them if when you hear their name or see their social media posts, your mind doesn't go to that offense. Come on, that's from God. What do you mean? Hey, so-and-so just landed from Cancun last Saturday. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go to Cancun one day. I wish they would have invited me. Maybe you're over that. But if any mention of their name or progression or blessing in their life or anything brings ill feelings or your mind goes back to that, then you're not over it. And that's where you got to, God, help me let this go. I want to take communion, but I, I, I got to figure this out, God. But if you're willing and humbly able and ready to figure it out, God's going to help you. That wouldn't disqualify you from communion. What disqualifies you from communion, if you're not willing and ready to address some things that have settled in your heart that are not Christ-like. Then I would say, you know, hmm. You better not take communion. But that's a decision you're going to have to make. Again, why? Because we're purifying ourselves. Revival's coming. Things are changing. 
There's change in the atmosphere. And when that spirit descends upon us next week, then we are all holy people with holy hands and pure hearts lifted towards heaven saying, God, if you can use anything, I'm listening. I want... So this morning isn't overly wowing, but maybe it's a revelation for somebody. That, and this is just my own pastoral liberty. I hope it's okay. If you've got something in your heart, and so I've never heard communion explained that way, and I, I need to make some things right. If you'll take communion with a commitment to God that you'll make things right this week, my pastoral heart says you're okay. Because maybe God spoke to you during my thoughts and message that you'd never realized the value of the Word of God and how sincere you are with a broken heart. Again, the human version of it, have I got past it? When I hear their name or see their social media posts, does my mind go to the offense? If it does, you probably haven't gotten past it. But that's, a th- that's an ongoing thing that God's got to help you out. That doesn't disqualify you from communion, but it lets you understand, you know what? I'm not quite through this. I thought I was. I want to be. I want to let it go. I don't want this in my life. But, God, I, I, need, I think I need a little more grace and help here. It's not as easy as I thought. I understand. I understand. But if there are things that you know that need to be taken care of, and if you'll commit that, and I'll pray for us in a minute, if you'll promise that and commit that to God, that, God, I will take care of it this week. I want to participate in communion. I want to lean into this, but I got a few phone call and text messages I got to catch up with. But, God, if you'll bless me, I'll, I'll do this this week. I think somewhere in the heavenlies, God's going to say, I bless you, my child. Get your heart right. Get pure. I'm going to speak to this church next week. He may even have a personal word for you next Sunday. Is Brother Green preaching. He works in what I'll call the gifts of the Spirit. Say, what is the gifts of the Spirit? We're an apostolic church. We believe in the the gifts of the Spirit to work. He may have a word of knowledge for you, a word of prophecy, a word of healing. And anything that is embodying the Christ, embodying the body of Christ, is not going to be spooky, scary, demeaning, or tragic. God is always uplifting. So, Brother Green's style is, you know, he's been this probably our fourth year or fifth year with him. He's very sensitive to people's feelings. If he has a word for you, often he'll tell you personally. But to let you know how I feel, I'm saying, God, I'm the pastor. Give me a word. Give me a word about our building. Where's the building in in the city that I haven't found that someone else is in our building? Right? It's not their fault because they don't know. They're negotiating with the bank, and the bank's saying, no, we're going to sell this. I don't know. God, we need an 18,000, 20,000-square-foot building. We need a bigger sanctuary for your glory as a citadel in the city. So I'm asking, God, give me a word. So when I come to revival next week, I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to make eye contact with him. Come on. I got revival pledges that you know not of. No, I, I won't leverage that. Um, that's not right. But uh, my, my point is I'm saying, God, I, I want to hear from you. It's not spooky. It's not scary. It's encouraging. It's like, hey, it's, God knows. God cares. 
God leaned into my little world and told me this. But to receive that word, I've got to be pure. And so, yes, communion helps purify me. Here's a couple things. We're going to start getting ready, but in, in a moment, the pastoral staff will serve you a little cup and a wafer and just kind of hold and wait for my lead. My lead. Maybe the keyboardist who's playing this morning can come back and help me here. Here's a, a few questions to help us repent and experience forgiveness and cleansing of our souls to celebrate communion. Again, I'm not trying to make communion spooky and scary. I'm just trying to tell you this is serious business. And we lean into God purified. Not spooky, not scary, no. But here's a few questions to ask yourself. I'm going to try to identify here with you on the human side of you. Ask yourself the question, have I walked close to God this week? We promoted this last Sunday. Hey, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hey, I didn't know what that meant, God. I didn't know what that meant, Pastor. Okay. Have you walked close with God this week? Have I acknowledged him as the God of my life? Again, I'm trying to help the human side of you. Have I surrendered my life to him, or am I holding back a part of my life for myself? What are you doing? I'm asking me communion questions. Have I offended someone? Have I said things that I need to repent of? Have I done something that clearly violates the Word of God? Have I refused to make peace with someone? Have I refused to make peace with a situation? Am I clear in my heart and my life before God? Questions to think about. Is there any hidden sin that only God knows? This is a solemn time for reconciliation. The writer in Psalms, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. What I'd like us to do, media team, I know I'm springing this on you, but can you, can you pull me up maybe a five-minute countdown or whatever you can do on the spot? What I want us to do, I want us just to take five minutes, reflect on my message, reflect on my questions, reflect on your life. You can kneel in your seat. You can stand. You can stay seated. You can walk the altar. But I, I want to give us five minutes to just to step into the Holy of Holies and just think about what I'm getting ready to do. 
Lord, is there any wicked thing in me? Have I offended someone? Have I done anything that blatantly disregards your values this week? Have I offended someone? Is there an offense in my life that I just can't get through it? Don't want to deal with it? It's too much energy. I can't do it. It'll go away someday. Well, let's enter into a time of prayer for five minutes. And I'll come back and we'll pick up and we'll administer communion. Let's get alone with God, however you want to do that, in Jesus' name. I know the way the enemy works and he takes perceptions and he perverts them. Actions or lack of actions and he twists them against God's people. With that being said, I want you to know that if I've offended anybody, I'm truly sorry. If you caught me on the wrong side of a good day, I'm sorry. If I didn't acknowledge you and walked past you and the devil exploited that, I'm sorry. I want to be able to take communion. Like most of us, including myself, we would never do that intentionally. But in action or lack of action, the devil would exploit, pervert. And it happens among us, people among people and with pastors. And so I want to stand here as a leader and say, if I've done anything that has not been just right in your spirit, I ask you, would you forgive me? I want to be pure and holy. I think we all do. But I just don't trust the works of the enemy. I don't trust his devices. We're here to love people. We're here to get people to heaven. We're here to worship together and we're here to cry together. And anything that gets between that is from the enemy. And now's the time for us to reset. Enemy has no territory in our lives and our relationships. Everybody that's here this morning, you're a part of this church and I love you. And I'm doing my best to get you to heaven and keep you holy. And it's an honor to serve. It's an honor to lead. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to hurt nobody. I want to take communion before God. Know that all is well with my soul. Praise God. Thank you for listening to me. The pastoral staff will begin to hand out the juice and wafer. This time the wafer is on the bottom of the cup. In times past, they've been on the top. If you'll each get a communion cup and just hold that, and once they're served, once you're served, rather, I'll bring attention back to the pulpit, and we'll begin to administer communion. If you'll take the wafer from either the top or bottom and hold that in your hand, and I will lead you through. Pure, I'm, I'm excited about this because we're purifying and sanctifying and next week is going to be insanely incredible man I wish next Sunday was today I'm so excited to see what's going to happen Paul writes 1 Corinthians 11 beginning with verse 23 this is after Calvary after the book of Acts after the resurrection he's 
in Corinth, and he's writing to the church like you and I were in Temecula. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. I want you to close your eyes and lift your voice and hands towards heaven and give a prayer and a conversation to the Almighty God. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.